0: This is Brandon McManus, Denver Broncos Super Bowl champion, and you listen to The Scoop on AlScoop.com.
1: Hi, everybody. Welcome back to The Scoop, AlScoop.com's podcast. This is season six, episode 36. I'm John DiCarlo, and my Partner today is Sam Newman. Sam Cohn is off. Kyle Gauss is off. We want to wish Kyle Gallus a happy birthday. So uh, hopefully Kyle's off doing something fun. Sam, this just podcast.
0: you and I. Yeah, this podcast is Kyle's present.
1: Yes, from all of us. The greatest, the greatest <laughs> gift we could give to him. And he'll, maybe he'll listen to it a few weeks from now.
0: Yeah, what you asked if I'm doing it right? I'm hanging in there. You know, I got back to Charlotte uh, Sunday or Saturday night, and I'm going to be staying here a little bit. Um, until august and then i guess commuting back and forth from now you know some of it, Dabo's camps but fortunately there's some uh, acc stuff that happens up in charlotte and uh clemson's first game of the year is actually in charlotte too so that'll work itself out but yeah i'm just taking it easy right now um and, and back in the carolinas so
1: yeah again if, if if you're a newer listener to the scoop or if you have missed the last few episodes sam is is all grown up now we have to Say, I don't want to say goodbye. Just say so long, because we'll obviously we'll, we, we'll be yeah. with Sam for for life, unless uh, unless we uh, unless we do something to screw up our friendship with him. Sam uh, has a full time job now. He's graduated from Temple, full time job at Clemson Insider. He's going to be covering, as he said, the SEC. So. Uh, We'll mess you buddy but we'll, you'll always be part of it yeah right, the right.
0: it's still i guess kind of hush hush right now but i mean we'll, we'll let and i just i just uh you just
1: added on the podcast i forgot Yeah, about it.
0: It's, it is no he, he wants to wait until next week uh to announce it so if Anybody who follows me on Twitter or listens to this. There will probably be an announcement, some article, uh, puff piece, I guess that it will be out there. But uh, yeah, no, that's it's happening. I start officially June first, so this is very sad. We're, we're not going to talk about it because John and I are going to break out in the tears. So yeah. we'll just we'll just segue into famous number thirty sixes now. Oh,
1: cry later. Uh, yeah, yeah. Famous number thirty sixes. Uh, Obviously, Philly one. I'd be eviscerated if I didn't say Brian Westbrook. And then we have what? Jerome Battis, The boss. Yeah. Those well, are the two
0: that come to mind. Any NBA players you can think of?
1: I'm not. I'm trying not to use Google. I I just Westbrook's the easiest. I feel one. like
0: there's a baseball like one that I'm proud. That's like an easy like pitcher that we're missing, but who knows?
1: Oh, uh, I can't. I honestly can't think of.
0: I can't think of anybody else. I'm sure. Oh, um, it's a famous pitcher. I know his name, Gaylord Perry. I think worth oh, okay. it. Oh, okay. Here we go. There right. we go. All right. There's our three. We, we had three. Yeah. There we go. Yes.
1: So uh, excited to be back with, with all of you this week. Our guest on this week's episode of, of the scoop is Ari Rosenfeld, the scouting director of Delaware Valley hoops report. He's been on the scoop a, a couple of times was last with us in September. Ari always brings us some great recruiting insight. Again, he sees a lot of guys in the region, sees a lot of the guys that temples recruiting we'll hear from him in a few minutes. Again, anybody who, is interested in temple recruiting, temple basketball recruiting. And I would imagine that's pretty much every single person who listens to this podcast. We know that recruiting interest and recruiting news drives uh, a lot of our engagement here. So again, we're really happy to have Ari with us and we've got, um, some, some football news some football recruiting news as well for you. Temple added a transfer offensive lineman, Luke Forrester from, uh, from Presbyterian, uh, Sam Newman talked to him. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later in the pod and, uh, You know, uh, we'll have a story coming up uh, about Luke Foster from Sam and from their conversation. So we'll have a little bit about that uh, as well. And along with um, a lighter mailbag this week, we have a a mailbag question for Ari that we asked during the interview, and then uh, another mailbag question directly for us pertaining to um, Ramir Barno, uh, the point guard at Imhotep High School that we'll talk about a little bit later. Ari shares some great insight about him as well. So, uh, but let's get to this interview with Ari Rosenfeld, again, he is the scouting director of Delaware Valley Hoop Support and uh, sees a lot of guys in the area. And again, you're going to hear pretty much, I think, anything you could hope for here. Ari will talk about his evaluations of, you know, what he saw from Hysier Miller, from Newman Gretti, and Zach Hicks, the forward from Camden Catholic, the two incoming freshmen in Temple's 2021 class, uh, along with uh, Emmanuel Pomo, the transfer from Wake Forest. We really didn't talk about him in our conversation with Ari Uh, as a guy who was coming in from the transfer portal. But you'll hear Ari talk about Hesir Miller, Zach Hicks, as we said, uh, some of the guys that they're looking ahead to in the future, some of their other recruiting targets like Dan Skillings at Roman Catholic, just a lot of good analysis. Ari's take on some of the, the younger core on Temple's roster. I think you'll be interested to hear about some of the feedback he got from scouts about Jeremiah Williams, what he thinks of Damian Dunn, uh nick jordain players like that so a lot of good stuff here uh we'll turn this interview over to all of you to listen to and then we'll react to it on the other side all right it's been a little while but we are thrilled to have ari rosenfeld the scouting director from the delaware valley hoops report with us on the scoop joining sam newman and i Ari, thanks for doing this buddy how you doing
2: no Yo, i'm good man how about you how about you good to see your face
1: yeah you too you too we'll, we'll, we'll uh we'll get together this summer of a, a, a vaccinated vaccinated hangout uh, amongst no, friends.
2: Like, there's summit plans already being discussed.
1: Yeah, I know. I can see at this
2: moment, as a matter of fact. Exactly. Take you uh, take you guys behind the curtain a little
1: bit. <laughs> so uh, Ari, as you guys know, um, you know, really scouts this area, scouts, you know, around the country, but has has offered some terrific insight for us here on the scoop in the past, knows the temple program, knows the, the guys that they're recruiting and uh, we're really excited to talk to him uh, today and this week for you because things are going to start to change and and pick up and uh, my first couple of questions here I kind of want to take a procedural approach because um, again we have so much to catch up on both from an overall national perspective with the recruiting dead period set to end on June 1st as I said and then we have a lot to ask you about in terms of uh, your impressions of guys like I Miller and Zach Hicks and their senior seasons um, guys at Temple's offered and might be looking at in the future in the 22 and 23 classes. But again, I want to walk our listeners through this and kind of, as I said, take a procedural approach. You've been able to see some events and players in person over the last several months. And we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But coaches, of course, have not in more than a year and players haven't been able to take in-person visits in more than a year. And that's going to change in, in less than two weeks. Can you walk us through what the summer is going to look like from that perspective, once the calendar turns to June in less than two weeks and what events we're going to see on the calendar that are going to be open to college coaches.
2: Uh, Yeah. I mean, so, so the best way I can put it uh, as it looks right now, obviously, you know, uh, everything's subject to change in this world we live in today. Um, But the best way I can put it right now, knock on wood is, uh, it's actually going to look kind of normal. Um, Mm -hmm. It's going to look a lot like, you know, June and July of 2019 looked as far as recruiting goes. Um, there's a few exceptions to that. Um, obviously everybody's going to, you know, probably still gonna have to have masks on, <laughs> um, you, you know, just to be safe. So that's obviously one glaring exception, but, um, otherwise, I mean, the NCAA isn't doing their academies that they, uh, had launched in 2019 as part of the July recruiting periods. Um, it looks like they're going to replace Lowe's at least for this year, um, with the way it had been before, which is going to be with a couple weekends of a couple more weekends of AAU in July. Um, I think the NCAA had pulled the plug on those camps a little while ago, just obviously with the amount of moving parts it takes for them to get those off the ground. either, you know, they kind of had to know they were going to do it or they weren't. Um, they decided to pull the plug early that they weren't, but otherwise they're going to have the June, uh, high school live periods, which started in 2019. Um, that was the first year the NCAA decided to allow college coaches to watch kids with their high schools and their high school teams, but outside of the traditional high school season, you know, teams have been playing in team camps and stuff forever but usually it would just be people like me who could go and watch. They now opened up the last two weekends of June for live periods for high school events that are put on officially by the state associations. So we're going to have a couple great weekends uh, at the end of June here in Philly, uh, actually at St. Joe's Prep uh, for Philly Live 1 and Philly Live 2, those last two weekends of June, which are going to be the first time since uh, last March that college coaches have been on the road watching kids in person. Um, and then that'll transition into July AAU um, and, and and coaches will kind of hit the ground running from there.
1: Now, Ari, from from your perspective, and you have people follow you on Twitter, if they if you guys aren't already, you should be at uh, a Rosenfeld hoops. You have a pin tweet from back on January 12th saying that things were still on pause for the most part in the Northeast. And you also do some work for uh, Lee high school scouting and explained in that tweet that you were doing a lot of evaluating through film. So again, we know the coaches haven't been able to see guys in person, but they will be soon. Players haven't been able to take official visits. But can you walk us through what the last year's been like for you specifically and kind of take people back to when you were start you were able to start seeing some players? Did it start with, you know, some of those closed local runs, like the one where Haseer Miller dropped, you know, 50 some points yeah. and started getting on temples radar a little bit more? And when did things start getting back to a closer sense of normal for events that that you could see? as a scouting director and not a a college coach. When did that start to turn?
2: Yeah. I mean, so I would say on and off since the pandemic started, I, I I have been able to be seeing kids live um, for the most part There were obviously that stretched very early in the pandemic from March through probably may or June. I think it ended up being June because I went three months without having been in a gym in any capacity. Once the summer kind of kicked up, like you said, there were, you know, they were able to get, uh, some runs organized. Uh, I got to give a big shout out to my guy Julian Dunkley. Temple fans will will be familiar with his gym in um, Cherry Hill. Kind of became a little bit of a a pseudo home base for me to be able to to, to you know just be around basketball. Honestly, for me, <laughs> what was uh, was huge. Just to uh, keep my sanity in place, uh, but obviously also to be able to, to to keep some eyes on some of these kids. Um, and then probably you know time all 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 blends together now. But I, I, it was around last summer we ended up having to have some kind of an AAU season, um, very, very disjointed, a lot of uh, just kind of small single court events, um, obviously a lot of precautions in place to, to keep people safe and to keep it spread out and get teams in and out and, um, and what have you. That transitioned into some high school stuff like that um, in the fall that I was able to see and actually had a, had a hand to put in some, uh, some matchups together uh, between some of the marquee high school programs. Um, and then if you'll remember, things kind of shut down again towards right. the end of calendar year. Um, so that tweet you're talking about was kind of right before um, our high school season got back up off the ground, the beginning of January, uh, which I was, uh, you, you know, had a lot of ability to be able to get in and out of the high school games. Um, you know, ADs and coaches are really helpful with that um, from a media and scouting standpoint. Um, so really, other than that stretch in March uh, for a few months and that, you know, end of 2020 calendar year stretch, um, I've been able to pretty consistently see players in person. Um, I'd say it hasn't really been until the last month or so um, as vaccines have really started to roll out. I was, you know, for me, as I've gotten vaccinated, um, I'd encourage everybody else to uh, to do the same. I'd be remiss if I, if I didn't say that on here while I have the platform. But yeah, I mean, I'd say over the last month or so has when really things have started to feel a lot more normal for me just as, you know, not having to cycle people in and out of events, being able to actually like have some, some crowds in the gym and um, see a lot of the people that I haven't been able to see, um, and that'll kind of culminate, um, you, you know, with those those live periods at the end of June. I think that'll be the official. Okay, cool. We're back to normal once uh once coaches are back on the road and we're we're back to events in a schedule that we're that uh, um that we're used to in a normal year.
0: Hey, Ari, good to have you back on The Scoop again. Um, obviously, it goes without, th- goes without saying, this past year has been hard all around for the whole world with the COVID-19 pandemic. For you as a scout and a talent evaluator, in, in terms of how it challenged you, is there anything good you can kind of take from it? Did it teach you to be even sharper with watching film, developing more contacts in places you couldn't get to? And, and what has that kind of been like for you overall?
2: Yeah, um, that's a good question. I'd say it definitely makes you a little more resourceful um, as a scout. When you're, you know, you're you're not necessarily able to see a kid in person. You know, there were since I've been able to get back on the road here a little bit. Um, there's been kids who I've been watching on film now for a year and a half, who I'm just now getting to see in person for the first time. You, you know, so so as far as getting to know what that kid might be like, what makes that kid tick, um, what's he like off the court, etc. Um, it's not as simple as just being able to see him live and talk to the kid like it normally is. You got to kind of be a little more resourceful. Um, with how you go about finding out that information, um, obviously with, with, with technology, that makes it a lot easier. Um, like you said, um, I've had to become a lot sharper watching film. Um, I'd always kind of use film as a supplement for a lot of the in-person work I would do, uh, especially locally. Um, that almost had to flip with limited opportunities to see people live. Kind of had to set a baseline and a foundation through film and then know what I'd be looking for um to really zero in on before I was going to see the kid live knowing that I might not have a chance to again you, you know um for god knows how long um so that was really good and honestly that you know I think will be something that I'll be able to continue going forward the biggest thing that makes my life a lot easier going forward that I think will stick from this is just how easily accessible film uh became with you know with live streaming and Um, you know, it's kind of, there's people trying to make money off of it, obviously, but then there's a lot where it's just like, like schools putting their stuff together for free and student broadcasts. And I can find, you know, millions of games at my fingertips, um, in a way that, that just wasn't really possible a couple of years ago. Um, and I think that'll be something that stays in place going forward for the most part, maybe not to quite the same extent. Um, now that you don't have parents having to, you know, watch their kids via live stream. But 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 yeah, I mean, but, but both from a business standpoint and just obviously as, as a courtesy to people, I think it's going to be something you see going forward uh, that'll continue to, to, to make my industry a lot, I'll um, you know, continue to make people in my industry, uh, it'll continue to make our lives a lot easier.
0: Yeah, and Aria, kind of along those lines, coaches were obviously subscribing to Delaware Valley Hoops report before the pandemic, but did the pandemic cause them to kind of lean on you even more over the past year because you could be at places and seeing players where they couldn't be?
2: Um, yes. So there's a lot to that question because obviously, um, there were, you know, there were a lot of moving parts on the college's ends as well. Um, between just kind of keeping their players safe and figuring out what was going to happen with their seasons. Um, then knowing that they were going to have all of their players back was, um, you you know, putting, uh, kind of grounded recruiting to a halt for a little bit. Um, it was almost kind of like, (laughs) You know, I joked with a few people that it was kind of like a silent pact of like, all right, like none of us are really going to go after these kids. So that way, you, you know, none of us are going to be late on them when um when we come around in a little bit, just because, you know, nobody really had the bandwidth to be able to be keeping track of things in the recruiting standpoint, both while, like I said, trying to keep their team safe, trying to figure out if they were going to play their seasons. um, And then, like I said, just, you know, they knew they couldn't evaluate. They were trying to adjust to this new normal as well. So I would say, you know, there were. A handful of coaches that stayed really, really in tune and on top of things um, throughout the entire pandemic um, and really, really kept their eye on the ball. And, 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 and I was having a lot of conversations with those people throughout that time. Um, and then there were others, you know, and I don't begrudge this at all. It, it, it makes sense from a time management standpoint. Uh, they just kind of put recruiting on a back burner for a little bit um, until they would have some clarity as to when they might be able to get kids on campus, when they might be able to see kids. Obviously. Then uh, recruiting the transfer portal became um, a huge thing relative to uh, recruiting high school kids. So um, kind of since seasons have wound down on the college side, I've started to to be in a lot more regular contact more consistently. And especially now that guys are are starting to kind of scramble to get their stuff back together going out um, a month from now. I think some people are really excited for that. There's some that, um, you know, that have kind of enjoyed some of the downtime, I'm sure. Um, but definitely, you know, it's going to be a big adjustment period for them, and and I can definitely see where they're starting to to lean on people like me a little bit more right now as they kind of get ready to go out on their own.
1: All right, the last time we had you on The Scoop was back on September 11th, 33 episodes ago. You were high on Heiser Miller and especially Zach Hicks before they played in their senior seasons, and, you know, because of COVID, they didn't get to play in as many games as they normally would in a typical high school season. But from what you did get to see of them since we last talked, where are their games now as opposed to where they were last summer? And what do you think Temple's getting in these guys in terms of what they might be able to or might be ready to contribute as freshmen?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a strong two-man class, the same as, as we talked about back then in September. Um, I think probably since then, more people, at least in the Northeast, have started to, to take notice that it's a pretty strong two-man class. Um, obviously with it being a small class and just with um, how disjointed seasons were and how much people like me weren't able to really travel outside of their areas. Nationally, there's not really um, much buzz about it. And again, it's a small class. It's two guys not ranked in any major services. So, you know, that makes sense. But, but locally, I think there's definitely an acknowledgement that, that that both of those guys are going to be able to come in and play sooner than later, at least in a role. Um, If anything, you, you know, maybe we'll be able to play more minutes if it weren't for a pretty strong, young perimeter core that I know, you know, Temple's pretty high on right now coming back, um, you know, but yeah, I'll start with Hazier. I mean, he had a really good season in the Catholic league. You could argue he was deserving of the Catholic league MVP um, you know, I uh, ended up going to Russell Diggins and they won the league and went undefeated. So you can't, you can't argue with that. Um, but Hazier statistically, and just, as far as what he meant to his team, um, you, you, you know, nobody would have been able to gripe had he won the Catholic League MVP this year. I think he uh, wound up leading the, the, the best way to encapsulate the season Hazir had. Um, he averaged like 18.6 assists, some, you know, right around there, um, but actually led the Catholic League in rebounding as a six foot one, six you know, maybe six foot two in case he's listening. I'll give him the six foot two, <laughs> um, you know, but as a point guard, uh, averaged over 10 rebounds a game, had a couple, at least one triple double during the season. Um, against and just wood, really,
1: right? huh? I think it was in the wood game, right? Yeah. At a
2: triple double, uh, I, I think that was a 30 point triple double against wood. And then I want to say, might've had one more later in the year. Mm-hmm. Um, just really showed the full dimensions of his game. It was, uh, the best, it was a combination of the, the Hazier from Martin Luther King, who had been a big time go-to scorer along with the Hazir who kind of got molded at Newman Gretti and over, um, his AAU career, uh, into more of a complimentary piece who did all the dirty work. It was the best, um, you know, it was kind of the marriage of those two during his senior year with some of the guys he played with as a junior having moved on. Um, so just his toughness, the, 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 the tone that he sets uh, from the point guard spot was, you know, really palpable anytime you would watch Newman Goretti. And I think that's something that temple's really excited to be bringing in with him is just his, you know, he'll be a freshman, but I think he's going to take a leadership role sooner than later on this team. It would surprise me if not. Um and then uh, Zach played a 15-game season in Jersey. Unfortunately, they didn't get to play any type of playoffs, um, which personally I actually think Jersey kind of dropped the ball on that a little bit. Uh, so just a 15-game regular season within uh, could only play in the state, like, you know, same as Hazir could. Um, and Zach, I think, continues to make strides. I mean, he's a kid I've come on here before and said I think has a chance to, to play at the highest level um, professional basketball one day. Um, you know, and by no means is that a definite or a guarantee. It never is for any kid. Um, but I'm, you know, I saw nothing from his senior year that would lead me to back off that, you know, that's something that, that, that could be in Zach's future if he continues to develop. Um, I mean, obviously the, the, the size at six, eight and, and, and the shooting stand out, he was able to be a lot more efficient this year as, as, as a go-to scorer, which probably isn't a role he's going to come into right away at Temple. Um, but I think it's really, you know, it's been really beneficial for him to get those reps and start to expand his game. Um, whether that's the mid post, whether that's starting to. Um, improve his handle and play a little bit more off the dribble from the perimeter. Um, he was much more tense and consistent as a defender and a rebounder this year, which with his size is going to be something he can bring to temple at 6'8, even though he is more of a perimeter uh, skill set naturally. Um, so I thought that, you know, Zach had had um, a senior season that I would expect from him as a guy who, who, who was really high on him coming in. Um, and I think showed why he, you know, should probably be ranked as one of the top 150 kids in, in his class nationally. Do you think both
1: those guys from, I don't know, rankings at the end of the day are, are subjective. Do you think both those guys kind of suffered from a rankings perspective because of the summer that we had
2: last yeah, summer? Uh, absolutely. I'd say, um, I, I, honestly, I don't want to let some of the people do the rankings off the hook that easily with Zach. Because Zach played, you know, Zach was right there on a 16U uh, Philly Pride team that that won the Under Armour Association and had the MVP of that circuit uh, play next to him and Stevie Mitchell. Um, so people saw uh, people saw Zach. Um, yeah. and, and and Zach's not a kid who, in my opinion, uh, developed so late that you couldn't have watched him play 16U and saw that he <laughs> he might be that level of prospect. Um, but Hazir definitely, um, because he was still more of a role player for We Are One. Um, the last time that was you know a real Uh, summer AAU season. Then he ended up jumping to team final um, or had planned to for what was going to be the 2020 AAU season. And I think really um, would have performed well in the UIBL. And I think definitely would have opened a lot of eyes. Um, But then that obviously didn't wind up happening with the pandemic. Throwing a wrench into all that. So I think Hazier definitely both just from the fact that he's gotten a lot better since the last time, you know, a lot of um, some of the national pundits have gotten to see him. um, And also just because, you know, they, they He's gotten better, and they haven't really had the chances to see him in the same way that they would have um, in a normal year, in a normal situation. Um, so I think Hazir would be a kid who could be knocking on the door that top 150 as well. It's just obviously a lot harder for guards. Um, Zach's a guy, you know, if I were doing it, I would put in there just as a 6'8", um, jump shooting wing, defends multiple spots. I mean, you know, it's everything um, that those highest levels look for, like we've talked about on here before.
1: All right, before we get into the guys in the 2022 and 2023 classes, um, you know, you're, you're busy throughout the season, as you said. I don't know how much you got to see of Temple this past season, but I'm, I'm curious about your thoughts on what you saw from some of the younger players like like Jeremiah Williams, Damian Dunn, Caleb Battle, I know you'd seen when he was in high school before he went out to Butler and then came back. Even a guy like Nick Jourdain, and, and what you think of the foundation they have, you hinted at it earlier when I asked about – how much Hysir and Zach might contribute as freshmen because they they do have this young core. What, from what you could see of Temple, what, what did you think of them last season? Obviously, they went 5-11, and 11, COVID shortened season. I don't think anybody expected them to be great. They had their ups and downs, more downs than ups. But what do you think of the core that they have there from what you have seen from them?
2: Yeah, um, so I'll start. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll be totally honest. My I had a really, really nice window to watch a lot of college basketball this season. Um, and it was before the high school season started with things starting late here in January. <laughs> um, unfortunately, if you remember, and I'm sure you do, Temple didn't get to actually play many games um, during that early season standpoint. Right. Um, what did they, I mean, they didn't tip off to what December 20th or something like that. Right. You yeah. Know, that right, NJIT right
1: before, game, whenever that was uh, right before uh, yeah, right before Christmas. Yeah. You know, that was
2: right when things were starting to pick back up um, for me in the high school world. And I don't get to watch nearly as much college um, once that starts. Uh, but from what I did see, I mean, yeah, like you said, I, I um, it seems like they have some real foundational pieces on the perimeter um, with Don and Williams. I got, you know, from the very first couple games they play, uh, you know, they played. I was actually getting texts from, um, you, you know, from 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 pro scouts who were just you know obviously by no means saying they're about to draft Jeremiah Williams next year. But just intrigued by what he can be from a long term standpoint, um, even if it just winds up being as a very nice player for Temple, not, you, you know, for the next level. Um, but he was a kid. I know you know a lot of people I trust and respect were were really high on what he did, especially defensively. Um, Damian Dunn. I think anytime you could see a freshman um, lead a conference in free throws, um, like he did, it, you know, obviously he wasn't as efficient from the field. Um, but I think that's just something that bodes well going forward. That's something that I like to look at from a scouting standpoint because um, getting to the line is usually something that's going to be able to translate going up, um, and as you take on more usage. Um, so I think those guys in particular seem like they have a really nice young core. Um, I didn't get to see much from Jordan and actually when I was watching them was, um, a lot while Caleb was, well, well, was still struggling with this hamstring. Um, although I know he came back and scored the ball for them, which doesn't surprise me. That's, um, that's what he does and kind of what, <laughs> what, what, what he has done since high school. And I, I think we've talked on here that he was going to really help them as a, as a floor spacer. Um, and certainly seemed like he did that. Um, and then the guy actually, you know, who, who, doesn't probably get talked about as much as part of that core, but I still think um, has as much long-term upside as anybody on the roster. Uh, and I know the, the, the staff is still really excited about, it, and that would be Jello white uh, right. obviously at the red shirt this year with, uh, with the second knee surgery, kind of following up from, from an injury he'd had in high school. Um, but I know, I mean, that, you know, they're raving about how strong he's gotten. And I mean, see him as a guy who could play legitimately one through the four, Um, on both ends of the court, depending on who they put him out there with. Um, So he's a guy I'm really excited to see going forward, kind of as part of – almost a function as part of that recruiting class with Zach um, and with Hazir.
0: Yeah, Ari, just transferring over to the recruiting side of it, and Temple has at least four class of 2022 offers out there that we know of. One guy, Roman Catholic, Stan Skillings, is definitely local and and someone you've seen, another Christian firm in the 6'9 forward from – Pocono Mountain West High School is sort of local. And we're not sure how much you've seen of him. And then you have two guys down in Orlando, a big man in Ernest Utah and a guard in A.J. Brown. I'm not sure if you've seen those guys at all. Starting with Skillings, what, what can you tell us about him and his game and how has it evolved since he started
2: off at St. Joseph in Hamilton before transferring to Roman and then, I guess, down the line with those other guys? Yep. Um, so actually, so, uh, so Dana actually started out his career at Highland in, uh, in South Jersey as a freshman. Um, and it was shortly after his freshman year, another shout out to Julian Dunkley. <laughs> it was shortly after Dan's freshman year that, 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 that Dunk called me. He's like, yo, I think I got the best freshman in South Jersey coming to IS-8 with me. Uh, IS-8 tournament up in New York, which is uh, kind of famous in the spring and summertime. Um, and this is a kid that neither he or I had heard of before. Um, so Dan's been on my radar since then. That was leading into his sophomore year. Like you said, wound up going to St. Joe's Hamilton, um, then when it, there was some uncertainty, it looked like they were actually going to close, um, ended up coming into the Catholic league for, um, what'll be his last two years of high school to play at Roman, um, and really, really hit the ground running from the time that, um, that he stepped foot in the league. I mean, he ever, w- wound up averaging over 20 points a game this year, right? Was, you know, 19 or 20, um, was one of the top three or four leading scorers in the league. Um, and what was you know striking to me, although not necessarily surprising from what I've seen from Dan in the past, was just how efficient he was able to be while doing that, um, and the fact that he's able to put up points like that without ever really getting much called for him. Like I used you know when he was at Hamilton, I would call Dan you know Mister Twenty and Ten without a play called for him because um, he just goes out and makes stuff happen. He's got great instincts on the court. Um, you see him his length. Um, stands out right away is, you know, 6'6", his wingspan's probably over 6'10". And he's got these real high shoulders that are kind of, you know, he's just got that perfect basketball body Um, and just a real natural instinct for putting the ball in the basket, uh, for coming up with loose balls. And then what's intriguing about Dan is um, steadily along the way, his skill sets really continue to develop with that, whether that's starting to handle the ball and create for himself and knock down jump shots consistently, um the way he's able to pick stuff up and apply it to games is really impressive and I think is what is going to have a lot of coaches really intrigued by what he could be um once they're able to get eyes on him again going forward what so, about, oh sorry Sam what I was gonna say uh you think you've seen a little bit of Christian Furman uh no yeah I've seen Christian a good amount um yeah over the past year or so what can you tell us about him yeah um Christian's probably the most improved player um, in this area right now. Um, if not one of you know, one, one of the most improved in the entire region. Um, he kind of hit that big growth spurt. That's important for a lot of bigs. If they're going to really reach that high level D one um, from when they're younger, you know, he hit that like six, six to six, nine growth spurt. Um, probably right before his sophomore season. And has really just taken off since then. He was, this is a kid when he was, you know, he was a 6'6", rising sophomore, was really awkward. You could tell he played really hard, but just didn't have much in the way of skills or instincts. Um, and usually you see that suffer when they, when they hit the growth spurt because then they're even a little more awkward. Or they're getting used to their body and what have you. Um, he hit that growth spurt and then just like, um, you know, from what you hear about the kid just really locked himself in the gym and came out a whole new basketball player where he's 6'9". He's got the, you know, he's real broad. He's gotten really athletic and comfortable with his body um but then he, he he's got a real skill set um he, he he's got good instincts he knows where to be on the floor to to get himself in position for for dump offs or for put back dunks um he takes pride in protecting the rim defensively and then he's got a real like 15 18 foot little face-up game um that he can go to you know that that, that, that hasn't been tested against um real high level big men yet unfortunately you know where he plays and especially with the pandemic and, and, and his high school even had a couple of shutdowns during the season. So they they only got to play a very limited amount of games. And for a big man out there, he's not playing against, you know, other competition like he's going to see in college, but he really gets to kind of explore his game as a result of that. Um, and then when he's now running with PSA Cardinals in the YBL, um, I think it's, it's carried over really well to where he's just confident in these other areas of his game that a lot of bigs in his mold maybe don't have. Especially ones who, who were kind of as raw as he was only like two years ago. And I mean, all right, before we hopped on, you said you'd only seen clips
0: of, of Ernest, but I mean, he could you be maybe talk about what you've been hearing him, about him? I mean, he, he kind of blew up after his past showing, I guess, this past weekend. I think he received some high major level offers like Ole Miss.
2: Yep. Um, yeah, that was, uh, I think, down at Hoop Scene's event. Um... I'm trying to remember the name of the event but definitely want to shout out Justin Young and uh and Ty Young down there at Hoop Scene. Um they had a Southeast Elite Ernest team. Um and from what everyone in the gym said like he was probably the best big man down there. Um and, you know, on a pretty high level event just <laughs> <laughs> um ended up in like the game of the 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 game what was considered the game of the weekend had a game winning dunk and uh, sprinted back for this big rebound that was a really impressive sequence so that's most of just the clips that I've seen from him is a lot of <laughs> you, you know a lot of finishing above the rim, a lot of uh, motor plays um, from what it sounds like he's certainly trending to towards being a power five kid uh, you mentioned that old miss offer uh, I know' as a kid Temple's been on for a while but at least I know people in the southeast are pretty firm on him being a, a legit power five kid and and I could see that being one where once things open back up a little bit he, he you know he he winds up being out of their grasp.
0: Now, Ari, talking about somebody that Temple hasn't officially offered yet, uh, Temple fans have been keeping tabs on Javon Adams, a forward at Olympus Prep in South Jersey ever since Asir Miller said on our podcast that he's a player he wants to try to get to Temple. Temple has not offered him, and, and we don't know if they ever will, but since he's someone who does get asked about, what can you tell us about his game?
2: yeah i mean i'll say first you guys have quite the loyal following because ever ever since then whenever i tweet anything about Javon adams you know fail not i get multiple temple accounts tweeting back at me something in regards of when's temple gonna offer they'll at aaron mckee or at um so i i I first have to commend the uh the scoop followers um but yeah i mean Javon's a kid i know really well um he's playing his best basketball of his life right now um, and has really started to, uh, to see his recruitment pick up as a result. He's a kid that anybody who's seen him at any point over the last three years, I mean, the the, the upside was always very, very obvious, but he was a kid. You would sometimes question, you know, does he play that hard? Um, does he, you know, does he know the game? Does he, you know, there were just always kind of those questions um, circling around him and he's done a lot to answer that both, um down the stretch of his, his his junior season at Olympus Prep, but then really this AAU season has just been playing with a purpose that um that you haven't really seen from him in the past. He's using his his size again. He's a kid who's grown um consistently through high school. So he's now finally comfortable being six nine and and using his length and his size and his athleticism around the basket. But then, you know, he's always had this he's a natural perimeter player. So 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 learning how to marry that with um, some of what he can do off the dribble and, and, and his passing, which is probably his best skill. Um, so he's really starting to put it all together. Um, is playing like a, a, a high major player right now. Um, and for him, as long as he kind of, you know, keeps that consistent, keeps that consistency, both on court, off court, um, continuing to, to, to work hard, refine his skills. Um, I think he's definitely going to be a player that is going to be good enough to, to, to play at Temple's level he fits what they do in terms of uh, what they're trying to bring in from a length standpoint, certainly. And from a versatility standpoint, um, you know, so I think he's definitely a player that could be up Temple's alley um, as things come here sooner. The, 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 the one thing I, I be remiss if I didn't stress before we get too much further, is just, um, I think a lot of recruiting is going to change over the next, you know, and, you, and, and John talked about it early on, but a lot of recruiting is going to change over the next month and a half or so more so than it ever does this time of year in the past, just because, you know, what, what these boards all look like right now is based off of an unprecedented year and a half of evaluations. So I think coaches are going to be a, a lot more inclined to throw those out <laughs> once they get back to what they're more used to and what they're more comfortable with, which is obviously evaluating in person. Um And I think they're going to be a lot more quick to just kind of ditch what their kind of preconceived opinions were on some of these kids um and trust what they see in person. Now, Ari, going over to that, 2023 class over at i temple has
0: offered their standout sophomores point guard Ramir Barno and wing Justin Edwards can you give us a
2: breakdown of each of their individual games yeah um yeah those are definitely going to be two guys that I think temple fans hear a lot about over the next couple years um they're going to win a lot of games in the city together and outside of the city playing with team final they're starting to uh build a nice reputation uh, on the national scene as well um I'll start with uh with Justin who's Probably considered the higher level prospect of the two. He's uh, about a six seven uh, lefty forward, um, somewhere between like a wing and a a kind of new age stretch four hybrid four type. Um, really, really came on the scene with his shooting, combined with his length. You know, like I said, six 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 seven and and a plus wingspan. Um, you know, and shooting the ball like he did at an early age—that's always going to be somebody that. Um, you know, that, that, that you write down a track and, and see as a potential high level prospect going forward. But what he's really taken off in the last six months is starting to create for himself off the dribble, starting to play with a whole new sense of confidence. It's kind of um, one of my favorite things is, is getting to watch kids go through that process of actually kind of realizing that they're really good <laughs> um, and realizing that they can pull some stuff off against, you know, in really high level games against really high level players that they didn't know that they could pull off um and Justin's kind of gone through that process over the last 6 months um to where he you know he's a real bona fide scorer as opposed to just a shooter um but coming from a real good culture at Emotep he's also still a kid who will use his length will will will, will rebound will will guard wherever you ask him to guard he had to guard a lot of big men for Emotep this year because they didn't have a true big um to throw at guys um just an egoless kid which is very rare to see from um you know those top 100 level kids in today's day and age um, and I think he definitely you know, fit somewhere into that conversation. If not, you know, I had one high major coach asked me how good he was. And I said, roughly top 75. And they're like, Oh, wow. Thinking like, you know, they thought I was underselling him a little bit with that. Um, so obviously all that stuff's very fluid right now um, until we get back to, you know, this summer, some real circuits and seeing these guys play against each other nationally. But, but Justin's going to be in that conversation for top 50, top hundred kids in his class. Um, and I think it's, it's probably going to be a kid. Temple's going to recruit hard right down to the stretch um and then his teammate ramir um like i said justin's more of a forward ramir's the the point guard for general uh when he's in the game the ball runs through him and when he's in the game there's not many guys there's not another guy you would want the ball to run through because he's uh, he's one of the more special ball handlers i've seen at his age in this city in a while um just i i like to say kind of as a disrespectful handle um, to where like you almost see him when guys push up on him, like he'll kind of give this look of like, Are you like, Are you sure you want to do that? Um, really, are you sure? And then blow by you before you really know what hit you. Um, and for a guard that young and that talented, he does a good job kind of um not abusing that skill set. He plays under control. Um, he's a natural scorer, but he has gotten a lot better with getting other guys involved as a point guard. Um, and has then really made strides as a shooter as well. Um, so I think the, you know, the question for him as to whether he's a power five player or whether he's maybe right below that ilk, is probably just going to be with his body. He's a, he, he's a smaller guard. He's a little, um, you know, slighter in his frame. Um, he's got the, 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 the set um, to where I have a chance to make up for that at the highest levels, but obviously it's just a high bar for five, 10, 5, 11 point guards at, at that power five level. But again, I think he's, you know, they're both kids that are going to be high on temple's board, I think all the way down to the end. Um, and I think kids from – you know, I I you know I know the Ramir and Justin a little bit from just watching the last couple of years. I think they're going to be kids that are going to hear Temple's pitch um, and seriously consider it down the, um, down the stretch of their recruitment. All right, it's, it's not that Temple
1: hasn't offered Philly guys early in the past, but it does seem like they've been more – aggressive even just over the past month about offering and prioritizing the right or what they feel are the right Philly guys early on. Is that something that you're seeing too, my alone in that opinion, or is that, do you kind of feel the same way there?
2: Uh, No, I definitely agree. And I think, you know, Ramir and Justin are are two prime examples of that. Um, I think, you know, you might've seen Temple doing a little bit of that in past classes, um, but when they, you know, the past couple, but when they might've been getting time to do that was when they haven't, you know, was, was when all their evaluations were forced to stop. Um, and I know, you know, especially with their staff and not a staff that likes to have a lot of, you know, quote unquote, like fake offers out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that kind of threw a wrench into some of those plans initially. Um, but yeah, I mean, some of the, you know, a kid like Justin Edwards, who, like I said, you, you know, from the time he was a freshman at six, six and, and knocking in threes in high level games, the way that he was, there's, there's a floor for a kid like that. And nine times out of 10, it's, you, you know, going to be right around Temple's level um, as a floor. Um, so yeah, you know, I kind of look at it as, you know, again, I'm, I'm somebody that I wouldn't want, if I were running a program, I wouldn't want any fake offers out there. Um, you, you know, but he's a kid that, you, you know, you can kind of project pretty safely three years down the line is going to be a kid that you're still going to be comfortable taking. And, you know, if not be really, really excited and ecstatic about taking. So I think the more that the, you know, that they can kind of sh- just show those kids that that temples were an option for them early on. Um, I think the better it's going to be. And I think they're definitely starting to do that with this 23 class. Um, and we'll kind of see how that goes going forward into 2024 and beyond.
1: So we've thrown a lot of names out there to you guys. We know that have temples offer temple offers. And, uh, but who are, there, there's so many names that we didn't get to. Who are the guys in your eyes that we haven't talked about who you think could, Either be reasonable gets for, or great fits for Temple in the future because, like you said earlier, they have their board and really over the next couple of classes, they don't have a lot of space. In twenty two, it's contingent upon maybe a guy or two leaving.
2: In twenty three, yeah, I think they have guess, two spots left, so it's not really college basketball. It's starting to get to be somewhat of a fool's exercise to project too <laughs> too right, far exactly, outside because I mean, of the because of the
1: portal, which we haven't exactly, really talked about, exactly. But, so it is kind of in an unknown landscape for them in terms of how much. You know, I mean, the roster stayed the same for the most part, minus Dre and JP graduating and moving on. But who are some guys that we haven't talked about? Because like you said, things are going to change over the summer. Who are some of the maybe the local names, uh, whether it's a guy like a Demetrius Lilly, other names out there that we haven't talked to who you think kind of might be right on the cusp that that could really have a chance to to blow up, whether they're on Temple's radar or not. And if it is someone who might be on Temple's radar, what are some of the names that jump out to you?
2: Yeah, I mean, so so we didn't talk about this beforehand, but you stole the name that was <laughs> right on the top of my head, which was Demetrius Lilly, mm-hmm. um, who's you know a big man from Lower Marion, um, and again, as we you know we talked about some of these bigs, like I said, I think Ernest Uday is probably, from what I hear, going to wind up skewing towards being a Power Five kid, um, you know, especially being down where he is. I would be very surprised if you know with the momentum he has, if if the SEC doesn't kind of come calling pretty quickly um, beyond just that old Miss offer uh, that Sam mentioned he'd gotten. And honestly, I mean, I'm, I'm working on reports right now. And like, I I think Christian Furman's probably going to wind up being a power five level player. And I'm not, that doesn't mean Temple can't can't beat some of those schools out and get them. Um, but it also means that, that they're probably going to be starting to look for potential backup plans um, in those front court spots. And I could see Demetrius Lilly being somebody um, that kind of slides his way right into that. He's a uh, different than those two guys. He's he's much more skill-based than athletic um, you, you know, athletic based. He's, Probably about you know six nine and just incredibly skilled, uh, very versatile offensively. You can um, put him on the block and play through him there. You can pick and pop him. He's more of the comfortable stretching out to the three point line. I'll actually bring the ball up the court a little bit for his high school team, although that's not something I think he's going to do um, in the AAC. Yeah. Um, but just like I said, overall just a really really skilled, fundamentally sound offensive big um he's done a lot of work on his body too which you know something that i really respect from a kid in high school i mean he's probably down about 50 to 60 pounds um since he got to lower marion a couple of years ago um you know and obviously that just shows a level of uh of work ethic and commitment that i think you, you know you don't necessarily see from from that many kids at that age especially that many big men um so i think he's a kid who's kind of right on the cusp of temple's level right now um has been playing really well for philly pride so far to start the aau season and i think he's going to be a kid that that they definitely at least watch pretty closely. Um, again in those June periods with LM um, and into the summer. Um, and then I think probably the only other name locally you guys mentioned, Javon Adams. Um, there's a kid at the Phelps School, Chas Kelly, who I know um they've done a little bit of work with and is starting to uh to pick things up a little since he's started playing with Team Durant over the summer. They've got a really, really talented backcourt that he's a part of. Um, he's a bigger kind of playmaking guard. He's originally from Houston came up here to go to Phelps this past year um, as a repeat junior. Um, so he's got one more year left, his 2022 class. Um, again, like I think he's a guard depending on on how things shake out. Obviously, you know, Temple's pretty stacked in in, in that backcourt and wing spots. But um, just another kind of guy who, who, who's around Temple's area, who's around Temple's level in the area, um, you know, they could potentially fall back on. Um, and then 23 is honestly a pretty exciting class where there's still a lot left to shake out um you know like i said i've been watching these kids pretty consistently but not you know still someone in, in in a disjointed way compared to normal so i'm excited to see what some of these kids do once they get out in front of coaches um one name i definitely throw out is horace simmons who i know is has really started picking up some interest from the big All five right. schools um he's got an offer from drexel i know he's he's had interest in some contact with temple with saint joe's with LaSalle. he goes to LaSalle college high school um Elton Glenside is, you know, 6'6", shot maker, forward, you know, got got, got some athleticism, some versatility. Um, he's a guy I wouldn't be surprised if Temple to offer a little bit sooner than later. Um, I could see him being a guy they prioritized down the line. Um, you know, the rest of those 2023 names right now that I would peg as clear Temple guys already have recruitments that are, um kind of established a little bit you know above that in that you know very clear power five level the dj wagner's of the world um isaiah miranda at the phelps school um i will say one kid on marco jackson is one who okay. i could see um you know he does have some power five offers but also has some family connections to temple um you know and, and, and definitely fits some of the grittiness and the athleticism that Aaron wants to bring in right now Um, in the backcourt so he's a kid again looking forward to 23 I could see them picking things up on a little bit going forward Um, but yeah I mean it's going to be interesting to see just kind of who some of these coaches latch on to maybe guys that we're not thinking of right now um, who for whatever reason people on my side of the industry haven't seen as X level prospect but um, these coaches get out and see something from a different lens and see things a little bit differently and maybe a kid who's not on that radar kind of jumps up and bubbles up out of nowhere so it's going to be an interesting couple months from that standpoint.
1: All right, so Ari, we do have uh, one mailbag question for you here from our AlScoop message board. The screen name is uh, uh, the screen name is P4My is uh, the reader and the subscriber here. His question is, to the extent that he has seen them play or from what he has heard, what does Ari think the future holds for Marty and Dustin's sons in terms of the level of the league they could potentially play in? Thank you for taking my question and keep up the good work. So he is talking about, uh, Madden Collins, Marty Collins, son, a class of 2024 guard placed down in South Carolina and Dimash Salisbury, Dimash Salisbury, excuse me, a class of 2023 guard at La Academia out in Lancaster. Uh, you know, we talked about them a couple of weeks ago. We had Marty and Dustin on our podcast. They graduated, came back, uh, several years later. And of course got their temple degrees a couple of weeks ago. We asked them about their sons. We know that anytime legacy recruits names come up, uh, we know that very well, uh, at temple. Uh, for the guys that, that that might come in the door and the guys that haven't come through the door. Anytime that those names come up, people are going to ask about them, which I totally get. So the latest names now, again, are Madden Collins and, and Dimash Salisbury. Uh, I'm going to guess, I think you haven't seen Madden play in person. You have seen Dimash. What, what, can, you, what can you tell uh, our reader about these guys?
2: Yeah, I mean, so like you said, unfortunately, I, I, I haven't seen Madden play at all. Um, I know he's a smaller guard. I've heard he's really, really talented. Um, I'll just caution Temple fans that, you know, smaller freshman guards who are really talented can go a lot of different ways over you know three, four years of high school. Um, whether they grow or whether they don't, some you know, it's just <laughs> um, there's a lot of variables there. So from everything I've heard, he's a really, really talented young guard. Um, I just haven't had a chance to see you know really anything from him yet to be able to speak to myself. Um, and again, just like I said, you know, he is on the smaller side, so that's the one thing for Temple to Temple fans to probably note that it you know. Um, take what he, you know, what you might see him doing now with, with, with just a slight grain of salt as far as projecting mm-hmm. him, um, to the AAC. Um, Dimash I can obviously speak to just since I've actually seen him play, um, and seen him play pretty extensively. He was uh playing for my guys over at Team Final Red uh last summer, Javon Adams AAU program, and formerly Stevie Mitchell's AAU program. So, good track record of producing some guys from their, 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 their 15U group. So, I watched Dimage a good amount with them, um, and then followed him into a season. And now that he's been playing with Philly Pride on the 16U level um he's really really talented he's definitely a kid who um who has some of the talent level to where you can see him being a a, an AAC level kid um as things kind of develop here he's um you know he's got a real just kind of natural rhythm to him with the ball and a natural pace that's really hard to teach and that you can kind of see like oh that makes sense that that he comes from from an athletic family or from a basketball family because it's just again some of that that natural feel for the game um that, that that's very hard to teach and, and that you're not able to identify that much in kids that, um, as young as Dimage is and as relatively inexperienced against high level competition as Dimage is. Um, but then even when you do watch them now, you know, now with Philly pride playing, starting to get out here, playing on a national scale, that pace and that rhythm just kind of stands out with the ball, um, even as one of the younger kids on the court. Cause he's, a, you know, unlike a lot of kids, he's a true, um, you, you know, rising junior uh, where he just turned 16 pretty recently here. Um, I'd th- say the big swing factor, and this is something I've talked to Dimash about and talked to Dustin about, is uh, Dimash has to show he can shoot the ball really consistently. He's uh, shown flashes of some really impressive shot making, um, and if that comes together, I think that's a kid who winds up being a, a, a Temple-level player, and obviously there's good reason why they've already started having some contact with him already, legacy or not aside. Um, he'd be a kid that, that that would be creeping up onto that radar. He obviously has one offer right now from Albany, uh, from Coach Killings, Uh, but I do you know he's a kid that a lot of schools at a lot of different levels are really looking forward to seeing in this June and July periods coming up Um, he will be playing with academia and those June Philly live events um, and there's definitely going to be a lot of eyes on him there Uh, and it could be a recruitment that takes off pretty quickly I mean I know Philly pride people um, are talking about him in similar ways that they were talking about Stevie Mitchell this time Um, in his 16 year year there's uh, some similarities between the two there's um, I don't think Damaj is as far ahead as Stevie was at that same point to where he's gonna come and win MVP of the 16U circuit. Um, but I do think he, you know, like Stevie, can wind up being a kid who's who's high on Tuples radar as things, um, as things develop here in the next year or so. All right. Thanks for
1: doing this. We appreciate it. Two more quick questions for me if you have time for them before we let you yep, go. Sure. What what changes and you you've you know, you brought up the how things changed two years ago where you started having the, the team events and something that we hadn't really seen before. That's, that's something where we had talked about a couple of years ago where Jaleel White, had he not gotten hurt in Pittsburgh a couple of Aprils ago, might've blown up a little bit more. Yep. Maybe, maybe Temple, I hate to say it at Jaleel's expense, maybe lucks out there a little bit. What, what changes? And is it a cool thing for you when you get to evaluate a kid and say, this is how he plays for his high school team, he bounces over to his AAU team. He might be in a little bit of a different role, whether maybe a guy's on the ball, off the ball. How, is that fun for you? Does it keep you even busier where you can see a guy in a couple of different lights when he's playing for his team versus what, what he can showcase for, or maybe on the flip side of it, does a guy, guy kind of maybe get lost on his AAU squad and then he you coaches see him play for his high school team? What's it like to, to kind of evaluate that? And what kind of feedback do you see from or get from coaches? Do you ever talk to a college coach and say, Man, this kid was nowhere on our radar when we saw him with, with his with his AAU team, but I really like the way he played with his high school team. It just looks yeah. like a true sense of who he is. What's what's that like through your eyes?
2: Yeah. I mean, so so I will just you know, just to clarify, um, I mean, you you're you're definitely on point that like, yeah, it's a great thing for me from a scouting standpoint to see these kids in different um different roles in different, uh, different settings, but that is something that I've kind of always had the ability to do Right, um, sure. prior to this. the, through the yeah. season. Yeah. Like, yeah. Through, through, through the season. Then I, I mean, you know, just through like college team camps and, right, you know, right. like, that, like that June month would normally be sort of a break from AAU and, and guys getting back with our high schools for a little bit, but just what's new now is, is there's a degree of stakes to it with, with college coaches being able to come out and see it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really the change of 2019 was making those live periods. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, th- th- that was some of the biggest feedback I got from coaches was, yeah, like this kid might be the eighth man on his AAU team. Um, and you know, so, you know, let's say he plays for, for team final, you know, on the UIBL, um, uh, most kids on most UIB, you know, on, on the UIBL or division one kids somewhere. Um, but as an eighth, ninth man, you might not be able to show why you're a quality second or third man on a low major team. Um, and uh, you know, in a lot of cases those you know, that, that, that is kind of sometimes how it'll equate eighth man on the UIBL team might be the top recruit on a low majors board um, before they're going to recruit him to be a key part of their program. It's obviously really beneficial for them to get to see him in something more like the role that they're going to want him to play for their program coming in. Um, which more often than not is going to be on their high school team where it's very rare for a division one kid not to be, you know, at least one of the focal points of their team, obviously. Um, so depending on position and, and, and depending on where the player plays, Um, it can be really, really valuable. And I know that was the biggest feedback I got from coaches, um, you you know, who usually only get to see kids in that setting during the high school season, which is a hard time to recruit because they have their own seasons. And at that point, they're really just kind of following up on guys have already identified in those summer months. This is the first time. And, and this will now, this, this year will not be the second where they're able to, to walk in and see, you know, 12 high school games in, in, in a day at, at St. Joe's prep this year. Um, and see kids in a different environment than they're used to. And yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a key part of the evaluation, especially when you you know a kid like Demage, um, who doesn't get to play many marquee high school games. Being you know being um, at a small school in Lancaster, he'll get to have some some good matchups against some really good guards. Where unlike in Philly Pride, where he's got a lot of other talent around him, um, for La Academia, he's going to be the guy, and it's going to be a lot on his shoulders. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's something really valuable, especially for you know, coaches at higher levels to be able to see from these kids.
1: All right. Just to close things out where, again, we, we gave out your Twitter handle earlier. And again, we'll, we'll uh, we'll, we'll do it again. It's uh, uh, a Rosenfeld, a Rosenfeld hoops again, follow Ari. If you're not, uh, you get a lot of great insight and analysis on the local recruiting scene. And Ari knows this stuff. I mean, I'm biased. We've known each other for a long time, but really does a great job. Ari, where, where do you go next? I mean, what is your, what does your June look like? Where can people follow you?
2: Um, yeah, so uh, like I said, I'm kind of right back into the swing of things um, all of a sudden here pretty quickly, which which feels really good after a while off. Um, so I will be going down this weekend of Southern Jam Fest uh, that the hoop group puts on. It's one of my favorite events every year. And uh, this year is actually like particularly, particularly loaded. So um, I'll be seeing most, if not all the guys we talked about, um, you know, this weekend down there um you know at least locally I think you know off the top of my head Christian Furman's probably the only one um who we talked about is not slated to be down there um slash so that should be a really really fun weekend um got Pangos All-American camp coming up in a couple of weeks out in Las Vegas um which is something I've actually never been to I was just starting to get my plans together to go um last year when things came to a halt so I'm pretty excited for that um and then uh those June periods gonna be all over up and down the the Northeast and the Mid-Atlantic, um, you, you know, there's going to be a lot of really good events. Like I said, there's a Philly Live events at St. Joe's Prep both weekends, but then uh, definitely going to be going up to Jersey for some independent school events, down to Maryland, um, possibly up to New England and up to New York. Um, so, going to be a lot of really good basketball going on. It's going to be really excited to have going to be really exciting to have coaches back on the road again. Um, you, you know, clients and um, friends that I haven't seen in you know almost a year and a half at this point. Um, so I'm kind of hitting the ground running here over the next little month. I haven't figured out what July is going to look like yet as far as AAU goes, um, but we'll definitely be out. Um, you know, like you said, definitely follow me on Twitter, a Rosenfeld hoops. Um, I'll be putting out content from, from all of these events. Um, and obviously, you know, any college coaches who listen, I, 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 I'd encourage to, uh, to reach out if you're interested in, in recruiting around here in the Northeast and the Mid-Atlantic. Um, I don't think, you know, (laughs) we've got some exciting things. I'm not quite ready to announce, um, you know, from a business standpoint, but there's not going to be uh, many companies seeing more seeing more basketball in the Northeast and the Mid-Atlantic, um, you know, than mine going forward. So, pretty excited about kind of what we got coming up here.
1: Ari, right, great stuff. I appreciate it. Uh, always good to catch up, and hopefully I'll see you this summer.
2: Yep, absolutely, Johnny. Always good to see you. Thanks, Sam.
1: All right, big thank you to Ari. We always enjoy talking to him. Sam, a, a lot to digest there. Again, it's always just cool to go player by player with Ari. Again, he, he sees these guys. As much as anybody, I, I think it was cool that you know he reminds listeners that you know recruiting has been one way for the past you know year and change. Of course, where coaches really could not see players in person. Uh, again, things are going to change June first. the The summer is going to change and get back to you know closer to normal or as normal as things are going to get at this point. But already reminded everybody that you know offers that are right now, you know things are going to look a little different in a month, two months from now. And recruiting is really going to change. Boards are going to change as guys start, you know, taking visits. And, um, you know, I think there was a lot of good insight there. Um, enjoyed hearing about Demetrius Lilly from Laura Marion high school. Again, he doesn't have a temple offer yet, but you know, again, we'll, we'll, have to see how things go with, you know, again, two of the guys that are really high on temples board right now are Christian Furman and Ernest Uday. They both have temple offers, but as you heard Ari say, Temple's really going to be in a fight to, to get those guys, especially especially Ernest. You know, he, you know When he talked about Christian Furman, I think Ari, uh, if I'm not mistaken, said he's probably one of the most improved guys, one of the most improved bigs around here. Um, so maybe they get those guys, maybe they don't. And if they don't get them, you know, does a guy like Demetrius Lilly maybe help himself? Uh, again, you heard Ari talk about the fact that he's a 6'9", 250-pound guy, really skilled, uh, a little different than, than the two previous guys I mentioned. So again, it's always fun to talk to him get that insight as the other names start coming up. And, you know, again, things will look different a month from now, two months from now. And I think that's good context. I also thought it was pretty interesting to hear him talk about, as I said earlier in the pod, as we introduced the, the interview, you know, Ari, and again, he cautioned himself and said, I'm not saying that he's definitely gonna end up in the NBA, but he heard some, from some from pro scouts like, hey, who's this Jeremiah Williams kid? Interesting, interesting feedback there. Not trying to give Jeremiah Williams a big head, but, um, you know, just, just hearing his name come up And uh, of course the, you know, he's always a big Zach Hicks fan. Uh, Ari has seen Zach and has known him for a long time and still really high on Zach Hicks and still thinks that Zach has the potential to play at the next level. So a lot of good stuff there, Sam, what did you take away from it?
0: Um, uh, What I took away is, I mean, Ari's answer about Jaleel white, obviously Jaleel was probably somebody who also could have blown up if not for, you know, the meniscus injury in high school, the same one that I believe that he retore and eventually had to get surgery on um, this past season. And obviously last episode that we had we had Aaron McKee on and McKee you know touched on how you know Jaleel White could have was the best player that they had in practice probably could have pushed for starting minutes so Ari's answer kind of reflected that at the same time so I think if there's a player that you know there's a level of an intrigue about maybe you can be compared to you know what maybe they saw from Damian Dunn but this season if you want to compare not that Jaleel White or Damian Dunn are similar players but remember Damian Dunn missed the majority of his freshman season due to an injury, and so, same with Jaleel White. So maybe Jaleel can come and have a similar impact because it seems like, as Ari mentioned, he's a guy who could have the ball in his hands. He can play off the ball, the guard one through four. I mean, we continue to talk about him in this podcast, but the potential for him if he can stay healthy really seems to be endless. So, um, you know, I think that's a name that keeps getting mentioned on, on our podcast, and rightfully so. So if he can stay healthy, that, that's definitely a name that Temple fans should keep an eye on.
1: Mm-hmm. We do have one mailbag question here that was meant for us and not for Ari. It is basketball related, but we'll, we'll, you know, in answering this question, we'll point to something that Ari said earlier. And the question comes from Dblaze75, one of our, our longtime subscribers. Appreciate the question here from the message board. question is for the Scoop staff, Ramir Barno, uh, again, we talked about him earlier, the point guard from Imhotep, doesn't seem to fit the description of the type of player Aaron McKee wants to make, main, wants mainly in his program, i.e., uh, players who can guard multiple positions, bigger guards. He's referring to the fact that currently, as of now, Barno is, I think, comes in at like 5'11, maybe six feet. Why the offer to Ramirez? And I, again, I'll, I'll just point, I'll just keep it simple. I'll point back to what Ari said. If you hear Ari's evaluation of him, and I'm going to point to that because Ari's seen him live and we have him, and you heard him talk about the quickness, the, 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 the ball handling skills, you know, Ari said, you know, I think his, you know, I'm paraphrasing here. He said, guys, will try to get up on him too close. And Ari said, you'll watch and you'll, you'll think to yourself, are you sure you want to do that? Are you really sure you want to get that close to him and then he'll blow by somebody. So I think from the outside looking in, I don't think we'd be breaking any news to say, if any coach is going to offer a kid who's under six feet, he better be quick. He better have, you know, high major quickness and it sounds like he does. And again, what we don't know is whether or not he's done growing, you know? So I think that's why, you know, it sounds like from listening to Ari, that's why they offer him. I mean, there's, there's gotta be a reason there, but again, it's going to be really interesting to see how their board changes, um, you know, and whether or not the roster changes over the next couple of years. Cause right now it's important to note that if nobody leaves and I'm not saying that's going to be the case, but if, if everyone stays in the program and that includes Ty Strickland Um, you know, Erashima parks, if nobody, nobody leaves and everybody stays, then they don't have a scholarship. But again, with, with college basketball being what it is today with the portal priorities changing, we'll have to see what happens. And then maybe have, maybe they will have two scholarships to give in, in 23, we'll have to see how things go, but it is a very fluid situation. And as Ari said, it's going to be interesting to follow how boards change over the summer, because coaches might feel differently when they really, really get to see someone intimately in person, both with their high school team and with their with their AAU team as already talked about. So, but I think that's your answer right there. Deep 75 is that he just as of now has proven that he's really, really quick and that maybe that quickness is going to make up for the fact that he is, as of now, 5'11, and maybe can't guard as of now anyone else other than the the one or the two on the floor. But I would have to say safely that's that's why they've offered him. Um earlier in the podcast, we mentioned that Temple. Football, switching things over to the football side of things. Temple has added a transfer, and offensive lineman, Presbyterian offensive lineman, Luke Foster. Sam, you had a chance to talk to him for a story that's going to be up on the site without giving away the whole conversation. Give, give our listeners a taste of, of a quick you know, sampling of what you guys talked about and what they can expect in the story.
0: Yeah, so Luke Foster committed um, on Tuesday night. I was conversing with him, and he told me that he, he had committed. And then right after we talked, he, he announced it on Twitter. Um, he's obviously somebody that comes from the pioneer league and, and I know temple fans often get caught up in what league that these particular players come from and the offers that they had. But if you look at somebody like Luke Foster, he went, I mean, he went to the same college that Rocky sin did. And it was scholarship based when he got there, he, he was a freshman, Rocky sin goes to temple and obviously temple's now on his radar. And he said that, and that will be included in the story, but he was a tight end originally. I think he came in maybe at two twenties to 240 something somewhere in between there and they had maybe 44 players left on their roster i think or they had 44 players leave i can't remember but it was they were left with the bare roster so he had the transition over the offensive line And he missed, you know, 2017, he redshirted. 2018, he missed some time with injury in the 2019, he only played four games before tearing a tendon. So now this guy, uh, I think thinking tearing a tendon in one of his hands is what he said. So now you have a guy who might have three years of eligibility left because of that one original redshirt year, um, the extra year due to COVID and then because he took a medical, um, you know, might have a medical redshirt year because of that. And this is a guy who who just graduated too. So he wanted to go to a graduate program, Temple, offers that and I mean on the surface you look at it oh okay whatever this is you know somebody coming from Presbyterian College or school you know that doesn't is not a scholarship program um, like Michael Neese who came from Dayton not and Dayton as Kyle mentioned on her boards was, or not Dayton Neese was as Kyle mentioned on her boards was one of the most consistent offensive linemen for Temple last year so I think right. you have to look at it as adding somebody like Foster who can come in and maybe develop and get his body ready to be where it is. I mean, he's, he's at 275 right now, maybe pack on a couple of pounds and, and be able to compete for some death, but also learn behind guys who I don't really remember the number, but it's somewhere between 100 and 200 starts collegiately across the offensive line. And as Kyle has mentioned on our boards, Temple could very well be without with an entire new starting offensive line. Joseph Hooper, CJ Perez, and Michael Neese are all done after this year. They're all out of eligibility, and then Adam Klein and Isaac Moore have both graduated, I believe. So they will, you know, maybe they come back from the extra year of eligibility. Maybe they go to the, you don't know, you never know. So they could, it's a very real possibility. So the very least bringing in somebody like Foster prepares you for that possibility. And you look at this year as okay, maybe we can use this year to a develop worst case scenario. He gets thrown in there because of injuries again, worst case scenario. And then you have two years to maybe that he'll be a starting at either tackle position or somewhere. Um, You know, in the inside, I know that it was um, speculated elsewhere that he could be playing tight end. That is not the case. He is going to be coming in and playing offensive line tackle, um, right tackle or left tackle. He has experience playing both. Um, He's never taken a game snap at. Um, interior on the guard position, but we know that Temple likes that flexibility. Um, They've had guys working inside that have played outside and vice versa. Um, And he feels like he has the athleticism to play inside potentially. So you're looking at somebody who could maybe play off or play all positions besides center or even center. So, I mean, I I would take it in a vacuum and not really focus on where he's been as a player and and his offers and what college he went to. And I would take it as they look at it as somebody who can be a developmental piece that can potentially start going forward and at the very least he provides them some insurance um that that gaps the bridge between some of the younger players like Jermaine Donaldson Sam Davis and um Bryce Toman uh, Victor Stoffel as well and it maybe be that bridge bridge the gap because like we said they could be without those five guys but at the very least I think you know what if Rod Carey said if we'd like to add guys up front they've added Richard Rodriguez from a Juco school in Iowa and they uh, right. added uh, Luke Foster. So those are two additions that will probably pay dividends uh, for their, for Temple's depth um, going forward.
1: All right. Great stuff there from Sam. Again, the story is up on the site now. Check it out. That is for AlScoop.com subscribers. If you haven't subscribed, definitely consider doing so. We're going to have a lot of recruiting coverage this summer, both on the basketball front and then the football front, too. Don't forget that um, Rod Carey and Coaches around the country now can actually have camps and I'm sure there'll still be precautions put in place, but um, a lot of recruiting content that we'll get to over the summer. And then before you know it, that'll lead you into preseason camp in August. And before you know it, the fall will be here. So uh, thanks for sticking with us this week. Again, big thank you to our friend Ari Rosenfeld scouting director from the Delaware Valley hoops report who provided us with so much great recruiting insight and even some insight into temples roster. Again, a big happy birthday to our good friend, Kyle Gauss, Al scoops assistant editor. Hopefully you'll be with us next week and uh, we'll talk to everybody soon. Thanks for listening.